As a church, our mission is to glorify God by enabling people of all ages to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Our God-given vision is to become a regional church of 10,000, meeting the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people in Jesus' name. Now, by the power of God, we've spent the last five years strategically building the first stage of this vision. It's amazing and awe-inspiring to see what God has already done among us. And now, through prompting by God and planning as a team, we enter the next five-year phase of fulfilling this vision. This plan will take shape in four distinct ways. Develop, reach, presence, and network. From 2019 through 2024, we will enhance our focus at a site level to make sure our congregation is healthy and thriving. We'll expand our influence, doing our part to strengthen and help the Canadian church and beyond. And lastly, we'll ensure our foundation making sure that we are resourced for all of these exciting next major steps. So as we say at church all the time, we're all in this together. So let's go and do this amazing thing all together. Well, we're so glad that you're joining us here today, whether here at Ajax or at Bowmanville or Port Perry or at a cottage or online, wherever you might be. Welcome to this very significant day for our extended family. This is a day where we unveil the next five years for our community. Now, before we get to plan two and all the details and all it entails, to many of you that have been with us for decades, to others that have been with us for years, to you that have just joined in the last year, and to others you've only been with us for weeks. Let me remind you that we all form one church family. And once again, I need to remind all of us that there are two critical key overarching ideas that influence us here at this church, what we call common faithfulness and unique calling. Acts 2 is the most famous and fundamental description of what we call common faithfulness, what every single church must look like, no matter its denominational affiliation, cultural expression, or size. This is what the first church looked like. It's the standard and the blueprint for every single local church on earth. Let me read these very famous passages. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Teaching out of God's word, community, communion, Prayer, the presence of God, giving, loving the poor, large gatherings, small gatherings, baptism, and witness, evangelism. Every church is called to do this, and when churches don't do this, they begin to stop being what they're called to be. 
The last words of Jesus are also part of common faithfulness. What did Jesus say just before he ascended into heaven? Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples, genuine followers of Jesus from Nazareth. From where? All nations. That in the original language is every single ethnic group. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is common faithfulness. But sometimes out of holy listening comes a God-given vision. We've come to believe at C4 that Jesus does in sovereign moments speak to congregations and movements uniquely, just like he did throughout the Bible. In the book of Revelation, he spoke to congregations like in Sardis or Philadelphia or Smyrna or Ephesus. And the scriptures are full of leaders being given God-given assignments. The mission is the same no matter where, but specific callings are usually given to leaders. Moses, I want you to go do this. Joshua, enter the promised land like that. Paul, do this. Philip, go there. When we were fasting in prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, go. Now, in these moments, if God speaks, this should become the inception point for a dynamic vision of a local church or a global movement. But this implies being open, learning to listen through spiritual disciplines. This presumes empowering people with spiritual gifts so we can discern what's from God, what's human, what's demonic, and what's swish away from yesterday. Mission is Acts 2 and Matthew 28, common faithfulness. Never change in any environment. Visions are God-given for a season. Then they will be replaced by new ones. Strategies support vision and they can change at any single time. Now, does this mean God will always speak? Oh, absolutely not. This is not the story of Aladdin. God is not a genie where he shows up and gives you three wishes. God chooses to speak when he decides. Much of the time, common faithfulness is the only ongoing call for us or, or churches or movements. But sometimes, as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit and we listen, God does give a unique assignment or call. Now, of course, if that is discerned, that is true. We need to make sure it lines up with the biblical narrative. Is it biblical and theologically correct? But what's more important is this. Visions draw lines of size. They draw lines of emphasis and calling. They make leaders say way more no than yes. And they force the community to ask the question, do I want to stay or do I want to leave? Vision with plans don't allow vacuums, presuppositions, or wonderings. They prevent civil war, and they help adjust the expectations so we all know where we're going together. Now, we've been clear over uh, five years plus years about this. Our God-given vision that has been affirmed and discerned is to become a regional church of 10,000 meeting the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people in Jesus' name. This is our God-sovereign-given assignment. Now, beyond vision and common faithfulness, over the last five years, we've also asked God, what do you want us to look like and feel like as we work towards those two things? And it was amazing as we read the book of Acts when a few years ago, we came to Acts 11, 12, and 13. Let me just read a section of that for you today. Acts eleven twenty-five. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, if you keep reading the whole passage, what you'll see is this local church had word gifts and love gifts and power gifts and strong teaching and situational prompting by the Spirit. They're all seen. 
But much more is going on here, and we need to stop again on this day and see the revolutionary power of what the good news of Jesus does in that time and in our time. You've got Jews, both Hellenistic Jews and Hebraic Jews, and Greeks and Romans meeting together in church for a whole year. These are people from all backgrounds, Jews, non-Jews, African, North African, Roman, Greek, the list goes on. God, through his work, through the Spirit of God and through the work of Jesus, is bringing people people together that have been taught their whole lives that those people were the enemy, that those people were dogs, that those people are dangerous, and God profoundly brings them all to the cross. They're all led to repentance. They all meet the same Jesus, and they begin to demonstrate to the world that Jesus can overcome any barrier once he's allowed in. Anyone want to say amen to that? So this is power in this moment where people who are enemies now are worshiping the one true living God together. It says in verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord together and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, calls out Barnabas and Saul, the two most eminent and gifted leaders in that local church. The Holy Spirit says, I want your two best thinkers, your two best preachers, your two most anointed, and they are to leave this and go somewhere else. Now notice, when does the prompting happen? It happens during a time of prayer and fasting. So let me say this again, because we say this at C4 all the time. As Jesus was led exclusively by the Holy Spirit when he was on earth and chose to use spiritual gifts to minister and used spiritual disciplines to listen to the Father, so Christians and local churches are called to be in the same place and the same posture as not Jesus as Savior and Lord alone, but also as our model. Jesus demonstrates we are to posture ourselves to use the gifts he used and use the disciplines he used so we can hear. So Antioch is our God-given archetype. This is the church the Holy Spirit is reproducing among us now. If you pair Matthew 28 and Acts 2 and Acts 13, you will see and feel and understand what our church is and what our church is becoming week in and week out. Strong teaching, a place of influence for the kingdom in its own region and beyond, spiritual disciplines, mutual submission, strong leadership, growing in cultural diversity, all the spiritual gifts at the center of serving, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading, prompting and planning, the staying and going of leaders as the Holy Spirit moves. This is the type of church God is calling us to be that we already are in part and we will become more. Now, many of you are saying, John, I've heard that again and again. Why are you sharing it? Well, first... We need to be reminded of what we are and where we're going because vision leaks in the best of times and we're all incredibly busy. And second, we need this picture vividly painted in front of us as a whole church again because of where we are about to go. It was five years ago in and around this time we launched Plan One to unify us as a church family, to help us understand and to see the first large step towards reaching 10,000. Now don't forget, because lots of us have forgotten, it was only four years ago that we were at one service at one site here at Ajax. Today we are at three sites with five morning services getting ready to launch our fourth site in Pickering in October. Over 3,000 people now call C4 their home and so much more has taken place. Maybe you don't know this, 483 people have taken Alpha in the last two years in our church. Isn't that incredible? We should clap about that by the way. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. We, we've had the privilege of baptizing 449 people in the last five years. And our general giving, so our giving over the last five years, has grown by 60%. Isn't that incredible? You should clap at that too, by the way. That's amazing. 
And, and above our general giving, the generosity of us as a family, we also have now given $1.98 million to capital campaigns and vision funds above the 60%. We were finding out this week too, as we were doing all the stats, getting ready for tonight's gathering, that five hundred people in the last five years have been through a deliverance where they've been set free from the evil one. That is worth praising God for in this moment. Just so amazing. And this doesn't even allow us to talk about the thousands of stories of people coming back or meeting Jesus or, or being healed or repentance, reconciliation or reconnection with God. So with massive thankfulness in our own hearts, we now come to this moment. We come now to plan two. This is the second major step towards our God-given assignment. This is the next step in our journey. Now, this is a real moment for our church, and after this moment, we will no longer be the same as a church. And let's acknowledge what we're all feeling. There are early doctors among us, the gift of faith. Why are we 10,000 yet? This is so exciting. Where are we going? Let's take that hill. There's others of you who are like, I hate change. I don't care what you say. It's wrong. And then there's a whole group in the middle like, I don't know. I'm just along for the ride. Words like exciting, scary, inspiring, threatening, new, intriguing all sit here. So this is like the airlines. Hey, everyone, I'm John. I'm going to be your steward today. Welcome to plan two. Oxygen masks will fall when we do this in the next 25 minutes. Please put them on. And by the way, ushers, please lock the door. There is no exit during this experience. There are no little lights. Some of you are like, I'm a guest here. Is this a cult? Well, no, 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 I'm just joking. No. Now, what's really important, as I said in the videos, we have summarized, we've taken a year, specifically a year and a half actually, to plan this moment. We've, uh, we've boiled down the whole next five years into four simple statements, presence, reach, develop, and network. And we filmed five mini videos that are going to help us today and later are going to help us online and with a website we're launching. So this is the moment that we're going to see where God is taking us next. So I hope you're ready. The first video we're going to watch is called Presence. I'd love you to turn your attention to the screens and uh, the oxygen masks will begin to drop now. God has been working at our church over the last number of years in a way that can be best described as a strong, slow growth rather than an explosion. Because of God's promises to our church, we are believing that the Holy Spirit will continue to bring renewal and revival as we submit ourselves to His work among us. We're convinced that the unique work Jesus has done at our church needs to be shared with more people across our region. The decline of the church in Canada is something that we must do something about. In the next 10 years, 9,000 plus churches will close their door forever in our country. Presence to local communities matters so much, and we're not okay with churches declining all around us and across our nation. To do our part and to move closer to our God-given vision, we'll continue to work towards seeing our existing sites grow and thrive, but also strategically launching new sites throughout the life of this plan. Connected to this expansion, we are building a strategic relationship with Trinity Center's foundation to seek out opportunities to rent or acquire church buildings that are underused or closing their doors. As we develop our presence, we will continue to ensure our foundation through how we organize and locate our office space, our organizational structure as we expand, and the future of our Ajax building at 599 Bailey Street East. We will need to invest in an appropriate broadcast location to support our expanding multi-site and resource church model. So this includes investigating the future of the Ajax building itself. 
And, and don't forget, that's just the Ajax location we're talking about. By the end of Plan 2, we'll be somewhere between 8 and 10 locations across our whole church. And so we're really excited with what God is going to do in Ajax, Port Perry, Bowmanville, and beyond. Our intention is to have presence through new sites in the following areas over the next five years as we expand our influence. Are you ready? North York, downtown Toronto, Port Hope Coburg area, the Lindsay Peterborough area, the Stouffville Markham border, and Lower Oakville. Now, if you live in one of these areas or you know people who've been waiting for us to come, now is the time to reach out and let them know we're coming. And by the way, if you represent a whole church that's interested in talking to us, we wanna to talk to you too. Please reach out. Our target by 2024 is to have between 5,500 and 6,000 in total attendance at our church across all eight to 10 sites. And just as we've recently done in Port Perry, as we enhance our focus, our goal is to work towards more permanent building facilities at every single one of our sites. In this strategic area, uh, it's all about establishing a presence in local communities. And the main reason we want to do that is to help reverse the decline of the church in Canada. Because we want to see the church grow and we want to see the church flourish. But let me just remind you what you heard in the video. 5,500 to 6,000 people over the five years of this particular plan. It's not going to happen next week, but over <laughs> the five years of this plan, Lord willing, that's the faith goal that we've set out there. And then eight to 10 locations, all these new locations, North York and Lower Oakville and downtown Toronto, um, the Port Hope, Coburg area, Lindsay, Peterborough, and then the Stouffville, Markham border. And that's in addition to what we already have here in Ajax and Port Perry and Bowmanville and soon to be launching Pickering. So uh, John, it feels like an awful lot. It sounds like an awful lot. And um, you know, uh, just help people understand. We just put these names all in a hat and we just drew them out of a yeah, hat. Is that what we did? <laughs> yeah. We just got a big map of GTA and threw darts and wherever <laughs> it landed, no. No, prompting and planning is so serious for us here that we took extended time and said, look, Lord, where do you want us to go? Though the church is declining in the GTA and across the country, there are also all sorts of amazing yes. churches. And so we said, Lord, where do you want to uh, position us? And so out of times of prayer, these are the areas that came up. There are some of these areas where lots of people already travel and commute to this site or to Bowmanville or Port Perry, but there are other areas that actually that's not taking place. Right. And so we're going to spend the next little while looking and praying, and we hope you're excited as we move <laughs> forward in that. So that's the plan. We're done. We can go home now, right? That's a lot? Well, um, that is a lot, yes. but actually we're not, we're not done yet. Uh, there are three other areas. And so let's watch uh, about this second area we're calling Reach. Let's watch the video on that. We love Alpha because it works. Alpha has been amazing across Canada. A million people have already taken this. Now, why does it work? Because it's a better program? No, it's got nothing to do with the program, really. When you combine genuine hospitality, good food and people, and amazing teaching, and beautiful art, visuality, and the Holy Spirit's involved, people become Christians. I mean, if you look at the very first church, those are the components that always work. And that's why we as a church love what God has done through Alpha, what God is doing through Alpha, and we cannot wait to share with you what we're about to do with Alpha in Plan 2. In Plan 1, we solidified our evangelism strategy through Alpha. Now moving forward, we're going to enhance our focus with Alpha. 
Alpha will become our consistent approach across all our sites and all our locations to reach people in our region and beyond. We see our church regularly offering people opportunities to serve and invite people in their own sphere of influence to come and explore questions about the Christian faith at and through Alpha. Now, as we expand our influence, we'll invest in and strengthen our relationship with Alpha Canada. Our church is gonna act as a regional hub for hosting Alpha training opportunities as we partner together in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to our region, to our cities, and actually across the whole nation. Now, to ensure our foundation, we're developing the organizational and leadership structure of Alpha in a new way, including our own senior church leaders will be involved in Alpha sessions at every single level. We love that our church is made up of people who live in urban environments and suburban and rural contexts, and we're gonna actively research and test out different ways to integrate Alpha into every single one of these unique contexts. Now, our goal, here it is, is to reach 1,500 to 2,000 people. That is 2,000 people going through Alpha between 2019 and 2024. And God willing, our other big goal, we're praying about this and we hope you're excited, is to see 700 people get baptized to declare Jesus as Savior, Leader, and Lord across our church. And so this is a really significant moment yeah. because our goal is to have 2,000 people over the next five years sit among us and explore the Christian faith and 700 baptisms. Now, to help us accomplish this, Alpha, uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but Alpha is launching a national-wide campaign starting in the fall called Life.Shared. And we're excited to announce today, we're going to be part of it, 5,000 churches from Vancouver Island all the way to Nova Scotia are going to be launching Alpha on the same Sunday on September 15th, and we're going to be one of those churches, and the goal across the country is that 80,000 people are going to take Alpha in 11 weeks and hear the good news of Jesus. Well, I think we can clap about that. That's a pretty amazing, beautiful thing. And this is what this means for us as a community. At our Ajax location, we'll be launching a large on-site alpha. This will be revamped, much closer to what you experience actually in HTB in London. Our goal is to have 100 non-Christian friends and family attend alongside of us, but that's not it. In Port Perry, because we've got a new facility there, we will actually be running a revamped on-site alpha there. But as we've talked to leaders in multiple countries around the world, actually, from alpha, we also realize we don't just need on-site alphas. We also need to launch them in homes. And so we'll be launching strategic home alphas across the area. So downtown Toronto, Brooklyn, Stouffville, Bowmanville, Pickering, and even up towards Little Britain. And the goal is wherever you live, you'll be able to take a family member, a friend, or a coworker to a well-led alpha and begin to explore the good news of Jesus. But that's not it. Under our leadership of our, young, uh, our, our youth ministry, they've been working hard and they've just told us that their goal is they're going to be launching seven alphas in local high schools run by students, through students, and for students, which is amazing, to start just giving opportunity to witness to their friends. Now, we want to say this at this moment. This is one of our highest priorities. And even here on June 2nd, who are you going to pray for? Who are you going to invite? We're so serious about this. We are saying to us as a community, it is more important that you bring someone to Alpha than going to your own connect group. Yeah. We know that we do connect groups throughout the whole year. And we're asking you to take a season off of your own connect group if you have the chance to bring someone to Alpha because their eternal life matters more than that one season moment. And we, as a 
church have done really well with teaching and organization and growth insights, but evangelism has always been sort of weaker yeah. for us. And so we're saying, we want this to be so serious, we're asking everyone to say, who could I actually invite? Now, you might want to launch one in your home. You can reach out to us, and Pastor Angela will talk to you about that. But here's the thing we need to address uh, in the room. Lots of us have invited before, and lots of people, as we have found out, I mean, hundreds have come, but hundreds more have not. And as we've talked to Alpha leaders in multiple countries again, they say usually between one and four alphas, as you invite someone, it's very low, and then there's this moment of change. And so we're encouraging all of you to sort of clear your schedule in faith and get ready for friends and family to come. And I just want to read a story of why this matters. This is written by a woman named Becky Baxter, who actually no longer is at C4 when they moved to Peterborough. But she emailed this a few weeks ago. She says, I know this is completely out of the blue, but I figured I'd pass this along. We moved to Peterborough in January 2017, and C4 had just done this huge big alpha push, and Sam and I felt we should invite our brand new neighbors to our place for one of these home alphas. It was super scary. We didn't know anyone, but we went door to door with butter tarts and an invitation. <laughs> well, our next door neighbors, an older couple, were very adamant that they would not, not only not be interested, but they kindly asked never to invite them to anything church related ever again. So that's a Canadian way of saying, get out of my face, the door is closed. <laughs> now, thankfully, she writes, we have a great relationship with him 2.5 years later. And just yesterday, I was talking to the gentleman, he's now in his 70s, and he's awaiting some test results and found out he might have cancer. At the end of the conversation, we offered our help, and he turned around and he said, actually, the best way you can help me is would you please, please, please pray for me? And she said, wow, this is crazy. How our alpha turned out in 2017 is a whole other story of awesomeness I don't have time to share. But just having him ask for prayer was beyond what I, I could have ever thought back then. Right. And then she write, I guess you never know what doors will open with a simple invitation, even 2.5 years later. I so appreciate, she writes, how C4 consistently challenged us to get out of our comfort zones and pursue friends and neighbors. Thank you so much for that. And that's an amazing example. Yeah. And we're saying to the whole congregation, as our goal in the next five years is to have 2,000 people take Alpha, all of us are going to have to become Becky Baxter. Go out and buy butter tarts, all of you, <laughs> because this is the moment where we need to go beyond fear and beyond sort of being protected and saying, actually, the good news is worth it. Absolutely. And so uh, with that in mind, let's look at the next video and the next uh, strategic area called Develop. The building that I'm standing in today was once a healthy church full of thousands of people of all ages and backgrounds. Can you imagine the baptisms, weddings, funerals, and faith decisions that happened in this place? And now it has become somebody's private residence. It's one of the reasons we chose this location for filming. This story is true all over our country. Churches are closing by the thousands and turning into condos, yoga studios, and more, removing them as outposts of the good news of Christ in communities. We're not okay with the church declining in our nation, and we want to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus through strategic development initiatives. We want to develop people, communities, and leaders in our nation through personal discipleship and discipleship resources. A major deliverable of Plan One was clarity around our church's discipleship model. This was successfully launched last year around five dimensions of discipleship, celebrate big, connect small, walk with Jesus, share the work, and engage in mission. 
Plan 2 will enhance our focus as we dedicate significant resources to helping people understand how they're doing in their discipleship journey and how they can grow to be more like Jesus. Through preaching and teaching, training and equipping, connecting and serving, we'll help people of all ages become fully devoted followers of Christ. There's something different and distinctive about our church. Like beyond programs, music, and services, there's a unique culture that has been intentionally shaped through the five years of our first plan. As more and more people join us, our culture will continue to evolve. So we need to ensure that the elements we have intentionally cultivated remain and are strengthened for our greater good. Acclimatizing people into the church culture will remain a key priority in plan two. We're convinced that God has intentionally called, positioned, and shaped our church to be a new and unique witness to a post-Christian culture. So we're gonna expand our influence. We will become a regionally located, nationally focused, globally minded leader in relevant teaching and books, inspiring original worship music, and life-changing prayer ministry. Further, there's a church leadership crisis in our nation. We will seek to address this by launching an experience-based, academically sound leadership training school, praying that a new generation of pastors and leaders are equipped and encouraged to take the helm as we pray for a great awakening in our country and beyond. As we enhance and expand, we will ensure our foundation is strengthened. Our staff are one of our most valuable resources. Keeping the soul of our staff intact as we experience growth and change will be of paramount importance in this plan. In Plan 1, we received certification as a best Christian workplace. In Plan 2, we're going to continue to build on that foundation and move towards a vibrant, thriving staff culture and an even greater place to work. We'll introduce a new donor management system to help with discipleship and to grow our giving base. And we will have a successful, growing Vision Fund campaign every year as we develop. In the end, we can never lose sight of the why behind all that we're doing. Structures and organization and goals, it's all good, but it's about people and helping people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Well, for me, this is a really exciting part about uh, Plan 2. A recent McLean's article talked about the leadership and the clergy crisis in Canada. Did you know that there's something like 9,000 churches that are slated to close all across Canada? And a lot of them because there's just a lack of Jesus-centered leadership. Well, we're not good with that. We're not okay with that as a church. So we want to develop people, communities, and leaders all across our nation because there's a crisis in our country. By building relationships and providing resources, uh, we hope to turn back the tide of the church losing ground in our country. Now, one of the ways that we're going to do that is through teaching and writing. We continually receive feedback coming in from all across Canada and places like England and Australia as leaders and churches are going through the convergence materials. We're getting requests for Pastor John to speak at multiple venues to pass along what he's seen God doing and some of the teaching and the learning that we're gaining around C4 and uh, passing that on to other communities. Now with two more books on the way in plan two, we're trusting for more and more influence in our country and beyond so that others in dying and struggling churches can be renewed, they can find hope and begin to thrive again as church communities. And we want to do something about this leadership crisis. 
In our church and through our church, we have a vision and a plan to start a leadership training school where people who want to get into ministry can come and apprentice alongside us as we pour into and ready a new wave of young pastors, preachers, evangelists, and leaders. In plan one, we released three albums that tell the story of what God is doing through worship music. I'm so proud of our writers and our artists and our musicians and our whole congregation as we sing these praises back to God. In plan two, we plan to write and sing even more songs and whether they appear on albums or not, we are gonna continue to tell in new fresh ways what God is doing among us as we offer up praise and worship to him together. And then in restoration prayer, John mentioned earlier that over 500 people have been impacted by this deliverance ministry we call Restoration Prayer. But in addition to that, we are being invited by churches from Vancouver to Ottawa, London, England to Kampala, Uganda to train others how to do this in their churches. Like just think of the impact that we can have. Think of all the people who today have no freedom in Jesus many of whom are tormented and oppressed by demonic spirits. And we get to help their churches who will help their churches, who will help other churches, who will help people find freedom in Jesus. See, this is not about promoting C4. This is about getting help out because God has entrusted some things to us. We can help others use the process that we have learned and grown and developed over years through teaching and training because at the end of it, we just want to see freedom come to so many people. But John, again, as if this is not enough, there's more. Yeah, there's, this is, uh, there's so much unfolding here, but we would love you to turn your attention to this one last video that shows us sort of how we're going to partner with others beyond C4 and see what God is doing locally and globally. So let's just watch this together. More and more as Christianity declines in the West, our network of trusted ministry partners will be critical for our church's health and reaching our God-given vision. Having defined and launched our global mission strategy under Plan 1, we will now focus on enhancing and expanding our local and global partnerships. In this plan, we will seek out new global partners who have a ministry link to what we're doing locally and particularly, we will seek a partnership with ministry to unreached people groups and a partnership addressing poverty as two examples. Our target is five global partners. Sites will begin to identify geographically local partnerships that they can build relationships with at the site level. This linkage is critical in keeping missions at the forefront of what we do as a church. As we enhance our focus locally, the target is that each site would have its own local partnership for a total of 10 across our whole church. In an era of denominational decline and uncertainty, we will intentionally align ourselves around Christian networks for accountability, resourcing, theology, and vision. Because we are a regionally located, nationally focused, and globally minded church, we will host and run five local and global church conferences by 2024. As we expand our influence, another new initiative will be the launch of a church network. The network will seek to unite us with like-minded leaders and ministry to exponentially grow the impact of what God is doing at our church across our nation and beyond. God's heartbeat has always been for the whole world. And so we want to be engaged at a local level, but also at a global level. And we want to invite you into that engagement. 
So we can't be everywhere, all places, all the time. And so we're being very strategic about what we do locally and globally through all of our sites. So this strategic area called network is really an acknowledgement that we are better together than we are on our own. Right. And it's all about joining others to ensure the health of our own church, but also the help that we need to achieve the God-given assignment that we have. Uh, our sites are going to be taking on uh, their own particular uh, local partnerships, and we feel that that's just so important so that we can keep missions at the forefront of everything we do at a site level and then across our entire church. And through networking, we're going to enhance our focus, and we're going to expand our influence, and God willing, we're going to ensure that we have this strong foundation. And so, John, uh, again, just an awful lot um, but we're not done, right? No, we're not done. That's the plan. But there's one last moment, one last thing that's going to affect our whole church and we'll never be the same after this moment. So I'd encourage you because the oxygen masks will fall now uh, <laughs> to turn your attention to the screens. As a church community that began in the late 70s, one thing that has always defined us is a desire to change, grow, and adapt to our surroundings and our ever-changing needs. In the early days, we were called Bethel Bible Chapel. We met in places like movie theaters down in the beach area of Toronto. Then in the mid-80s, we moved out to what many considered, where are you going? The empty suburbs of Pickering. And we became Steeple Hill Community Bible Church. And lots of people joined us and we outgrew that facility. So in the mid-90s, we met in Ajax High School for three and a half years while Crothers Creek Community Church was being built, situated near Crothers Creek. Quickly, we gained the nickname C4. In the mid-2000s, we embraced it as our more official name and brand as we now have moved towards our multi-site reality. But now, as we look towards the future and all that God has for us, Soon will be time for us to change our name again for the next chapter of our church. Now, over time, the name C4 has come to cause, well, a lot of confusion in the larger Christian community that doesn't really describe who we are and doesn't help people who are trying to find Jesus. For example, we're always asked, are you the four C's? Which is, by the way, the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. We're not them. We regularly confuse with our friends at C3 Church, an Australian church that's planted all around the world, including now multiple sites in Toronto. Love them, just not them. Further, as we continue to pursue our global partnerships, we've recognized that in a lot of places, C4 is known as a name that's not helpful. It's a terrible explosive that causes fear and pain, not a church that invites people in and is welcoming. And as we do with all things at C4, we're using prompting and planning to guide us forward. We're working together as a staff team and with branding experts, but also we're praying, seeking what God says to discover what he says about us, who we are, and how he actually sees us as a unique church community. Now we know that this is a big deal, and this can be hard for us. C4 has become part of our identity for many years now, but we invite you to join us in prayer as we seek to reach the next major wave of people who also will come to know Jesus and become fully devoted followers. We believe a new name is one of the many things that will help us enhance our focus and expand our influence and ensure that we're becoming the church that we need to be and building on the amazing foundation of our rich history. So later this summer, we're going to reveal the brand new name and the new branding that goes with it. And we believe the name will again be a way that we can see how God sees us and also who he actually is. So, 
with mission, vision, our past and celebration, the four next major steps in front of us, and a name change. I hope you do now have that oxygen mask on. But we need to remind you of one last thing. We didn't wake up one day and say, let's be big. We didn't wake up one day and say, actually, this is going to be our preferred future and we're going to make it so. No, no. Our history has been a pretty unique one where God has moved and God has sovereignly called us to step out. So this task in front of us in the next five years, like the last, is so big and so crazy. If God doesn't show up, actually, we're going to fail uh, 100%. But, But as I end, I need to remind you of one last thing. Not only is our vision clear, our mission clear, and our steps now clear, but God also has given this church promises to pray back to him connected to his ongoing work. Now, if you've joined us since October, we need you to go back and listen to a podcast from September 9th, 2018, where we walk through every single specific promise God has given this church, why he chose to do it, and how to pray them back. But I want to end this time together by just reminding you of one of them. We, a few years ago, was, uh, were given through prompting Zechariah 8. Zechariah 8 was originally given to the Jewish people as they were rebuilding uh, God's community in Jerusalem. And, and it's an amazing story of what happened in history. But when we were given this, the Holy Spirit was very clear where he was saying, actually, this is a marking of what you will become and what I'm about to do. So I'm going to read this. And when you see the word Zion or Jerusalem, I just want you to think C4 in that. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm very jealous for Zion. I'm burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called a faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called a holy mountain. If you read this in other translations, it's called a city of truth and a mountain where God's presence is found. And and this is what God said to us. C4 is going to be a church where God's word is going to be preached and God's truth will be found. But not just that, it's going to be a place where God's palpable presence will be found, experienced, longed for, and encountered. This will be a church where grace and truth, word and deed, power and proclamation, and signs and wonders are normative because God has ordained it so. Then he said in verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of their age. And the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. And God said many generations will actually find their home in this church. Children, teen, young adult, and adult. And if you look around at any of our sites on a Sunday morning, there are all sorts of people from all sorts of ethnic backgrounds, but also generational backgrounds. And what I love about this promise is our culture continually divides around age, but God is saying, I'm going to reverse that. And deeper than that, he says, you are going to have so many children, you're not going to know what to do with them. And that is an amazing promise as churches are declining. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at this time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty? No, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west, and I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. And some of you fit this category. You are the remnant. You chose to stay. You were at Steeple Hill or in Ajax High School or in Crothers Creek, and you knew God was not done, and you were there for all the changes. And God is now going to honor your courageous, determined, staying faith because you knew that God was not done and God is going to honor you for that. And you've begun to see in actually the last five years what he's done and what he's about to do. And God promised prodigals are going to come home, not just teens and young adults. Actually, the greatest promise to us is many adults are are going to return back to church. They left because of sin or because of pain, but they're going to sovereignly return. And it's going to come from many different cities. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many people 
and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. Oh, by the way, we were given this years ago, way before we knew we were going to go beyond Durham. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many people and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and entreat him. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 people from all languages and all nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard God is with you. And this has begun. This has already happened. And God is saying, I'm preparing many, many more people to meet. They're already speaking to each other. Many people have already come to see four. And by the way, you can see the nations, literally the multiculturalism in this church is exploding. Thank you, God, for that. But deeper, there is going to be an ongoing, unnatural attraction, a sovereign moment where God is so moving at our sights because he's decided that 10 people are gonna start grabbing the hem of one person and saying, we know something weird is going on over there. We know God's showing up and we don't even even understand, but we've got to go. They're going to text you. They're going to call you. You're going to go on Facebook and say, what in the world's going on? You're going to say, you got to come to our meetings, not because they're any different, but because God has sovereignly decided to have his presence here and his truth proclaimed. And in a post-Christian culture where truth is now under attack and people are running, let me tell you this, God's truth is not going to be abandoned here and God's presence is going to grow and people from every background are going to start coming to follow Jesus like we've seen in the last five years. Can you say amen to that today? So good. So why don't we stand and we're just going to take this moment of thankfulness, of dedication, and of prayer. So here's what we pray. Number one, God, thank you, not just for the last five years, not just for the last 10 years, but for generations before us. Thank you, Lord, for, again, deliverances and baptisms and people from all backgrounds coming. Thank you, Lord, for all the sights and all you've done. And now we're going to say at this moment, we need the Holy Spirit. Father and Son, send the Holy Spirit in great power across this church to do something that actually is impossible. Ten sites, 700 baptisms, 2,000 people attending Alpha, people from other faiths coming to meet the Lord Jesus. Like, we don't have the money, the finances, the resources, the leaders to pull this thing off. God, you're going to have to do this, so we're asking this. And Lord, we pray for our unity in Jesus' name. We pray for the gift of faith in Jesus' name. We pray for courage. <clears throat> we pray for flexibility. We pray for generosity. And we pray that everything you've promised this church, Zechariah 8, 2 Chronicles 5, 2 Corinthians 5, every single thing would happen because you do not lie and you're a good God. So at this moment, we thank you for the past. We dedicate ourselves in the middle and we now pray into our future. God, do the most extraordinary things. And we pray as it was always prayed in the Old Testament. We've heard of it in old days, but now in our day, would you do it? And so we pray this for us and not just us. We pray this for all sorts of other churches too, that renewal, revival, and awakening would sweep through the church in the GTA and across our country. And we all pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And what do we say together? Amen. Let's thank God for our coming future.